Welcome to The State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insights into recruiting on the 40 acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state watching and talking to blue chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook them. Mike Roach, how are you doing today, man? Uh, good, Bobby. It's that uh, really busy week headed up to signing day, so um, it's been busy for me. <laughs> I bet. So uh, we're officially T-minus one week today, I believe, right? Yeah, one week from today we will be uh, we will be locked in on a on signing day and seeing how many of these kids are going to sign early. Yeah, so Texas has, with the with the decommitment recently of Ty Jordan, what is Texas at now from a, a commitment? Uh, they, that would put them at uh, 16, I believe. Um, okay, so 16. And they're hopeful to sign uh, 16 or 17 on next Wednesday or beginning next Wednesday. Is, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I talked to a source this weekend that said Texas expects to sign most, if not all, of their class uh, early. Um, now, I've talked to a lot of kids who told me they plan to sign early, but um, you know, I'm interested to see how many actually follow through on that if they don't know who their coach is going to be going forward. I just think that that's a really big hurdle either way to not have an offensive or defensive uh, defensive coordinator. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, you know... Subsequent or prior to the the decommitment from Ty Jordan, um, Texas really hadn't uh, seen much movement from a rec- negative movement from a recruiting perspective since letting go of its both offensive and defensive coordinators. Uh, what do you contribute that to, Mike? And and what are the, the what's the fallout or impact of that? Well, first of all, with Ty, I should say we do very much expect him to decommit, but nothing has actually been announced from his side. Um, There was another site um, that made a report about Ty decommitting, but they based it on the fact that one of his high school teammates who now plays at Utah had had put it on his Instagram story. Ty himself is not actually – reported anything i've reached out to ty and those around him and haven't heard back yet but i'm not actually going to run with it until somebody uh somebody near ty actually says yes this is happening now again we do expect it to happen i you know i think it will i think it has uh based on everyone i've talked to it just hasn't been to a place where we can report it um you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but Utah has simply just had more contact. They've shown more enthusiasm towards uh, contact with Ty, and I don't know if that's because Texas has just been, uh, you know, in in, an, in a tizzy kind of figuring out all their staff changes and and uh, and things like that. But Utah certainly capitalized, and people keep saying, "Well, how did Utah become this this juggernaut?" People don't understand that. Kids lack a lot of foresight, so you can sell one year of success to them. And Utah certainly had a very successful year, the fun offense and a fun defense. And, you know, that's an exciting environment that you can sell to kids. They don't look that kids typically don't look at the depth chart and say, well, next year you're going to be a really young team and you probably won't have that much success. They think it will go on and on and on. That's kind of how Texas was able to capitalize on last year and, and things like that. So, 
you know, for Texas, they, they are battling Utah on the field in, in about a month and, and now taking their first loss to them uh, in their, on the recruiting trail. They're going to have to uh, find a, a second running back to go with Bijan Robinson. Um, I think a guy like Kevontre Bradford from, from Lancaster is probably going to be the the uh, the pivot point and the, and the next guy on the on the list and you know to me he's just kind of a, a, a little bit of a bigger faster version of Ty Jordan maybe he doesn't have as much in the receiving skills but um, certainly as exciting of an athlete and uh, from what I hear would be very open to Texas making an offer so my my I, I'm kind of reading into this a little bit Mike and if, if Texas isn't necessarily prioritizing Ty Jordan um, is it possible that they're they're the the coaching staff is okay with this move, even though they didn't necessarily ask it to happen? I mean, is this a situation where Texas is going to be okay one way or the other if Ty Jordan doesn't doesn't uh, come aboard? Because not only you mentioned uh, the Brad, Bradford out of Lancaster, but there's also Kelvante Dixon that could play potentially running back out of Carthage. Um, that's Keontae Ingram's brother. Now, I, I don't think that's where he's being recruited as, but he's played some there. So is, is that the situation that maybe, look, we've got Bijan Robinson, let's try to go get a, another, another big-time guy and not worry so much about what Ty Jordan's going to do? Um, I think that they wanted to keep Ty. I, you know, they went in home with him uh, Monday, and I, I think really wanted to keep him, but – you know, for whatever reason, and look, I don't know. I mean, the reports that they hadn't been in very much contact with him came from Ty's side, and so those could always be true, but they could also be a way to explain away, you know, thoughts of decommitting. And I think Ty's always felt a little bit like a second option to Bijan Robinson, where everybody makes the big deal out of Bijan, and, and Ty's just the add-on, and that's been mentioned to me a few times. So um, I think all those factors came into play. I think they would have loved to have kept him, but. Um, you know they'll, they'll they'll have to pivot at this point. I don't see Calvante Dixon fitting in at running back, and they haven't even offered Bradford yet. And uh, don't you know the the bird in the hand is uh, is worth two in the bush, as they say. So um, I, I don't see it as a, a case of them just letting him walk away. Gotcha. So I I think let's turn away from from. Ty Jordan for a second and talk more about you know I'm surprised given the immediate reaction I heard from guys like Keaton Crawford and potentially Quentin Johnson uh, the DB athlete out of John Tyler and the receiver out of Temple that they were going to look at other schools almost immediate reaction after the, the, the dismissal of a couple of coaches I I thought that Texas would suffer more attrition in recruiting than what they have. Um, and I, I, I find that interesting and I find it compelling because it, it looks like their solitude, I guess, together or solidarity, solitude's a different word, solidarity as a recruiting class is paying off and it's allowing – Texas to continue to recruit uh, while hiring their offensive and or ostensibly trying to find their next offensive and defensive coordinator without the uh, axe hanging over 
Tom Herman's head as it relates to the recruiting class. I mean, uh, I think that as as we meant, as I wrote yesterday, it's really a situation where uh, that's giving him some leeway or some runway uh, to make these hires as opposed to being uh, pigeonholed into them right off the start. Yeah, definitely. They've got a runway, but um, I would say that uh, anything could still happen in this last week. And I think we'll really see where kids, you know, kids will say whatever, but I think we'll really see where their loyalties lie um, as it comes down to the wire here. And I think that there is a concern for me that um, while sources are telling me, yeah, everything's everything's good. We expect everybody to be pretty solid, everybody to be in. I would at least be a little bit suspicious that somebody was, um, you know, maybe looking around, you know, behind the scenes. I think kids are always going to do what's best for them. I would, I mean, I don't blame them for doing what's best for them. So the runway is there, but I wonder how real it is. And I wonder if anybody at Texas has, uh, is, is monitoring that because, um, you know, any just about any time that I hear something and 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 speak to a source there, I, I get returned with no, 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 that's not a problem. It's all good. And um, you know, it was the same thing I got with Ty. I'm wondering if uh, you know, I definitely know that a couple of guys are still looking around and still talking to other schools. Um, you know, Texas is 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 doing their in homes and and trying to well, I guess whack a mole the situation um, where they're popping up, but. Uh, I, I think that the runway is helping him right now, at least in his mind, but we'll see what happens in, in the next week. More reticence there from Mike uh, than perhaps I thought and that I read into the situation, which is uh, interesting. So not necessarily great news if you're a listener and a Texas fan, but... Well, look, I'm, uh, just, you know, I'm just a suspicious... Uh, no, no. I, I'm just a I, suspicious No, person. I want to say this. Let, let me finish. Real is real, Mike. I have no problem with what you're saying. I think that it's 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 better to have that um, viewpoint, and you're the one that is talking to these kids, so you have a better feel for the situation. And so there's no reason for anybody, including Tom Herman and his staff, to stick their head in the sand on this. Right. So I'm I'm 100% behind you, and if that's the way you feel, it's not – because you're, you don't have your finger on the pulse of the situation. I know you too well. So um, certainly something that, that we need to, need to discuss. Yeah, I mean, I would say that in general, I'm always suspicious. And I've been – I look, I don't even work for these schools, and I've been burned by kids on, on the reporting side of things before. So I understand that they're always going to do what's best for them. And I'm not saying anything is imminent at all. What I'm saying is if I was the Texas staff, my head would be on a swivel for the next seven days. Gotcha. One of the reasons that I felt – the tide turn toward the solidarity of the class is your um, interview and that you posted with maybe the the key a key component of the entire class and that's Quinton Jackson the quarterback athlete out of Duncanville um, he was pretty adamant I thought yeah you know he um, so I was at the Duncanville South Lake game um, last Saturday. And that was a scene, man. I mean, we had, there were 
probably 15,000 fans there to watch the game. There were probably 40 media members in attendance, and there were probably, I think, six or seven almost full staffs of colleges there at that game. SMU was there. uh, North Texas was there. TCU was there. Members of the Oklahoma staff were there. Texas was, of course, there. Uh, So it was uh, quite a scene, and we had everything from – um, Tom Herman sitting in the stands with Jaquindon's mother, uh, which we had some pictures of, to, you know, after the game, Jaquindon running across the field yelling his name to go give him a hug. I think for now, Jaquindon is, is I, I think he's definitely solid. I believe him when he says to me he's going to sign. He's not one I'm suspicious about. The thing I worry about is once Jaquindon gets on campus a little bit, um, now, I, I think that, that Coach Herman's done, gone a long way to to you know, try to fill in that relationship with uh, with Jaquindon and his mother. But Jaquindon's two biggest points of, of trust in this recruitment were Rashad Samples, who's now at SMU, and Tim Beck, who's been reassigned and is you know is his status is very much up in the air. So I think he's going to sign. What I worry about is him getting there and then having nobody to trust, and maybe the first sign of trouble, uh, you know, looking around somewhere else. But. I, I think he'll he'll definitely sign, but Texas really needs to make sure that once he gets on campus, they are they've got somebody with him and they're building that relationship constantly. Wow, you truly, truly are a pessimist in some ways because that's 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 not thinking one step ahead. That's like thinking three steps ahead. <laughs> that's how we have to now with the transfer portal, you know. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, he was extremely adamant in that that pledge uh, and that commitment. I, th- I think that'll, I do think that reverberates with other players that have seen Jaquindon play before. And he's, uh, I wouldn't say he's the Pied Piper of recruiting because I don't know that this class has one of those. Um, but he's certainly someone that everybody from Houston to Dallas in the recruiting world in the high school football world is aware of. Right. He, and so yeah. he's not a he, Pied he Piper, is, but he's definitely like the alpha Right. That's a great way to put it. Okay, good. All right. So Texas is sitting at 16 or 17 based on Ty Jordan's tenuous status, I guess, or likely decommitment status. Um, Texas is hosting an official visitor this weekend. Is that correct? That's uncommitted? Yes, and I expect them to gain a commitment this weekend. So here, let's flip it. I feel like I've been a bad news, bad news mic today. Um <laughs> They are, I would expect, so Sawyer Gorham Welch, the Longview defensive lineman who was offered recently, um, was committed to... How, how, big, how big is he, Mike? About 6'3 and a half, 280, 285, okay. somewhere around there. Gotcha. Um, All right. You know, is, is a guy that I think is, uh, he's not going to have the star power that some of their other defensive linemen had, but if you're looking for what you can... You got to understand what you can find at this time of the year. It's a little bit like last minute Christmas shopping, but um, you know you can find guys who are, uh, I, I suppose, high motor, uh, high effort. You know, technicians like Sawyer Gorham, and uh, maybe not the high end athlete, but um, you know he's the type of guy I think Baylor has has had a lot of success with, and, and Oklahoma State's had a lot of success with on the defensive line. Um, he is coming in to visit Texas. He has decommitted from Oklahoma State. Everybody I've spoken with expects him 
Um, and, and not even that's not even on the Texas side. That's everybody I've spoken with around him expects Texas to be the the landing place for him. So unless they just botch this official visit, I expect uh, them to jump back up to 17 in that class, uh, maybe as soon as this weekend. Gotcha. Anybody else coming in that you're aware of at this point? Nobody that we're aware of as of yet. Um, still working to finalize. I know they were talking about maybe getting some uh, commits in um, who haven't taken their official visits yet, uh, but uh, haven't heard anything official on that end. Um, I know that uh, looking at you know just guys we have most <clears throat> excuse me most of the commits have taken their official visits. So um, there's only three or four guys out there who haven't. Uh, that we know of. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, any other, uh, we mentioned Kelvante Dixon earlier, the young man out of Carthage. Anybody else that uh, they're still recruiting that hasn't made a decision at this point? Um, Alfred Collins would be up there. Uh, the, the defensive lineman from Bastrop Cedar Creek. Um, you know, going back to Calvante Dixon real quick, I think his is, is just a case of he's not going to do anything until Carthage is out of the playoffs and they look like they're going to play for about two more weeks. So um, I think that for him, Calvante's recruitment will carry on into January and through to February. Uh, Alfred Collins told me last week when I went to go see him that his uh, he would be signing in February as well. Um, and that, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's really surprising to me that Alfred's kind of stretching it out this far because at, at some point back in the summer, he really expressed an interest in shutting this thing down as quickly as possible. Um, and now he's going to stretch it all the way out till February. And I can tell you this, Alfred's a good kid, um, very accommodating, always polite, but he doesn't enjoy doing interviews. And I kind of told him the other day, like, Hey man, uh, if you stretch this out to February, you're going to be like the big fish who hasn't signed anywhere. So people are going to be calling you like crazy, you know, just, just prepare for that. And uh, so we'll see there. I think Texas feels good, but they know they're going to have to fight off Oklahoma and maybe even Baylor for him. Um, outside of those guys, I would expect a lot of new names to be identified after uh, this early signing period. And hopefully once they get an offensive and defensive coordinator in and can kind of start identifying, uh, you know, what it is they want, uh, within their schemes. Gotcha. Um, any uh, any other players out there that Texas is still trying to like? I saw they they went in home with Keeley Ringo from Scottsdale, but that appears that that appears to have been uh, gone south. That recruitment appears to have gone south. Yeah, I think that Keeley's always really liked Austin and the program and everything. Texas is. Uh, would love for him to postpone his signing until February and get a chance to recruit him into January and February. Uh, I think Jason Washington's really important to that recruitment. I think Tim Beck is as well. Obviously, both of their futures are up in the air. Um, but I think that Keeley still intends on announcing his commitment um, in in January at the All-American Bowl. Uh, and so... Unless Texas can really get him to push it back, I expect him to pick Georgia at that at the bowl game and and sign early. Oh, so go ahead and sign even before he announces. Yeah, probably. I, I would guess. I it would be really weird for him. I but hey, there's been weirder things. It would be really weird for him to announce at the bowl, not sign, and then take other official visits. But gotcha. I do want to say one thing about Kelvante Dixon because. Uh, 
Keontae Ingram was similarly situated. He had actually committed to Texas, though. Mm -hmm. He did not, if I remember correctly, he did not sign while Carthage was still playing in the in the playoffs right. a couple of years ago. And for those so, of you who don't know, like Scott Surratt, the head coach at Carthage, is a pretty serious guy. Um, he has six state championships, Bobby, and he has six playoff losses. So that's quite a record to have the same amount of playoff losses as you do state championships. Um, basically – that way, And that doesn't include his time at – Texas High and Texarkana. Right, right. So, so, <laughs> so as an he doesn't like distractions, and and they know what the goal is at Carthage. That's that's damn near a college program or a pro program the way it's run. So I think it's just standard operating procedure for them. I just would not. I would not have. I know that that Jeff Trailer, the former Texas assistant and Arkansas assistant and former Gilmer High School head coach, just got the UTSA head coaching job. I was surprised, actually, that he named Barry Lunny the the uh, offense coordinator. I thought he might actually tap uh, Surratt because uh, Trailer and Surratt are good friends. And, frankly, I think Surratt is ready to, to make that step if he so desires. Uh, but uh, here's, here's the thing, Bobby. I'm not sure UTSA could pay him more than Carthage. <laughs> That, what does he make? One fifty at Carthage. Probably? I think he makes upwards to near two hundred. Yeah, so that's crazy. And he's so comfortable there. Like I, I honestly talking to people around Trailer, there was some some expectation that he was at least going to reach out to Surratt. But I think Surratt's got it made. Um, he's paid what he's paid. You know, I mean, I don't I don't think he's worried at all about leaving Carthage. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, that makes total sense. So. Uh, you went and saw um, Pleasant Grove um, last week, Rockwall, Prosper. Um, anybody uh, catch your eye that, that we need to talk about? Jake Majors, I guess, at, uh, at Prosper is a Texas commit. Yeah, uh, Jake Majors had finished up his, his high school career uh, with the loss to Rockwall um, in, the, in the regional final round. Just a tremendous kid, um, tremendous player, I think. I, I know that I wrote about him this week in our signing day spotlight about how, um, you know, his kind of – it's cliche to say that a white offensive lineman has the lunch pail type attitude, but that's Jake. I mean, he's just a blue-collar kid, and, um, you know, he comes from a, a good working-class family. Both parents work in the in the healthcare industry and um, work really hard and – you know, Jake's always kind of approached everything with that type of attitude, even back to the opening uh, when he was kind of getting beat up on the interior. Um, and he told me, he said, you know, I've never I've never dropped uh, to my to my right. I've never dropped from anywhere for, other than a left tackle position. So I'm not used to, to playing center and then went and worked on it in the ballroom of the hotel for two hours with the coach before he could come back for the afternoon session. That's just Jake. And um, I love everything about the kid's ability, his, his footwork and his tenacity, um, his ability to move his, his his motor all those things i think he's going to be I, i've stood alone on the jake majors hill as people have gone up and down around him i think he's still going to be a very very good player at texas and and hopefully you know if they can get him teach him the intricacies of the center position a good interior player um you know as far as a high school left tackle he's one of the best i've, I've seen just incredibly solid um won't be asked to play that at the next level but but just a really good kid and a really good prospect, and um, so he'll be uh, he'll be enrolling in Texas in uh, just a few weeks. Gotcha. And then I know you have a, a, a personal commitment on Saturday. Uh, who are you going to see on on uh, Friday? 
Uh, before, this coming Friday? Yeah, before I do that, let me go back to Prosper. There is a kid I want to shout out who I think is going to be a guy for us to watch over the next two years. They've got a receiver there named Tyler Bailey, a 2022 uh, wide receiver from Prosper. Um, and he is he's kind of had his coming out party uh, during the playoffs. And, and I saw him in, in spring practice. I saw him in the season, and, and he intrigued me. But um, probably a kid who right now is a sophomore is about 5'11", 180. Um, really quick, uh, can really, you know, take off and get to top speed quickly. Um, and, and a kid, I think that's going to become a big time recruit. Another one is, uh, if you've, if you've watched Rockwall at all, their quarterback, Braden Locke, who's a sophomore, um, is going to be pretty special as well. Uh, he is, uh, of course he has Jackson Smith, uh, Jigba to throw the ball to, which is, uh, makes things a lot easier for him, but really good quarterback can really sling it. So, uh, the, the, my favorite part of the playoffs, Bobby, honestly, is finding the underclassmen because I think that's where they kind of shine and, and start to really pop up. Um, and and those are two underclassmen I've seen along with Quinn Ewers, uh, the Texas target, uh, who threw who threw a, a very good game against Duncanville um, in a loss. And um, so yeah, some bright bright futures coming up in twenty two. Um, f- how did how did I, I forgot to ask you even um, going back to that Duncanville game? How did Jaquindon Jackson look? I mean, he was – I tweeted after the game, like, what more can I say about this kid? He's incredible. He's one of the best I've ever seen. I mean, he just – he was 8 for 8 throwing for 170 yards, I think, and a couple touchdowns, and then he ran for 150 and three touchdowns. So, you know, they 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 ran their offense, which is an old-school power spread, run the power read or, or quarterback counter, um, and, you know, he would just take over – during dominant parts of the game. Um, they'll face Rockwall this week, which I think uh, Rockwall will give them a test, at least offensively. But I expect uh, Duckerville to be back in the state championship against North Shore, and you can all kind of watch Quinton's last game on TV if that happens. Gotcha. Um, what, what game are you going to see this week? This Friday I'll be seeing um, – Pleasant Grove again. I saw them last Friday, but they've got so many kids that I can go back and interview different ones this time. Um, so Texarkana Pleasant Grove will be playing Midland Greenwood at the Star on Friday night at 6 p.m. Um, and uh, that program to me is just one of the finer programs in Texas. The way that's run top to bottom. Uh, Josh Gibson, their head coach, is fantastic. Is a guy I could see as being maybe one of the next high school coaches to make the jump to college. Uh, just a guy that everybody loves and would would be a fantastic recruiter and and coach. But um, they've got Landon Jackson, the, the five star defensive end. They've got Marcus Burris, a four star defensive tackle. They've got Nick Martin, a three star running back and linebacker. They've got a couple other kids who are starting to emerge. So um, should be uh, heading back to their third straight state championship game. And um, really excited to go out and see them again this week. Gotcha. Um- what about does Midland Greenwood have anybody? No, they're a West Texas team that, that runs spread. Um, it would really be a Styles makes fights uh, type of game. As as Midland Greenwood is a spread, throw up fifty times a game team, and uh, Pleasant Grove is an old school wing team. Um, so it'll really be a in Pleasant Grove they they kind of. Uh, they kind of start to uh, wear on you and wear you down. But Greenwood is just one of those teams that's built with a, a lot of really good high school players, but not a not a ton of, of great uh, prospects. Gotcha. All right, well, that's going to be it for today with for Mike and I uh, on uh, uh, the uh, state of recruiting. 
Uh, Mike, I appreciate your time. This time next week, guess where? Guess what's happening? It's uh, National Signing Day. It's Signing Day, and uh, we'll yeah, we'll definitely be back with another podcast, and uh, hope that uh, you guys can join us. Um, the state of recruiting is taped each and every week Wednesday during football and recruiting season. It features Mike Roach, uh, who crisscrosses the state each and every week, watching and talking to blue chip recruits and their interest in the Longhorns. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay.